righty. Let's get the pre-show checklist here. Notes, check. Theme song cued, check. Giant mug of iced tea, check. Got my audio equipment here, check. Higher competent co-host. Fuck! This is not the podcast we are looking for. You will listen to the Wrestling Outsiders podcast. This is the podcast we are looking for. In a galaxy far, far away, you are listening to the Wrestling Outsiders podcast. changes, 
all the pole matches, and, you know, here we are. It's the second show. It's Spring Stampede 2000, Brian, and we have no champions at all. Like, no champions. Like, no world champion, no tag team champion, no U.S. champion. No cruiserweight champion. We do have a television champion because they never stripped Jim Duggan of the title. Um, Fair enough. Jim Jim famously found the belt in the trash on an episode of WCW Saturday Night and continues to defend it. Now, some people would say that the TV title was trash. I say the way the Boston Celtics are currently playing is bigger trash. Yes, they are destroyed getting destroyed right now. The score right now is Cleveland Cavaliers 88, Boston Celtics 44. Oh, they're making a comeback. No, they're literally having their score doubled. Yeah. Oh. But, hey, let's ignore basketball here. Talk about pro wrestling. And, Brian... I've read that this was the best WCW pay-per-view they had in a year. However, shit that smells slightly better is still shit. This is true. I would like to see how it was slightly better. Do they mean, like, match quality better or, like, buy rate better? Like, what do they mean by better? Well, Brian, if you recall, we did watch Super Brawl 2000. Um, This show is definitely better than that. And there's just a lot of crap. And, I mean, this show really tells you that if this show was the best one they've had in a year, it really shows you the depths they've sunk to at this point. Yeah. Um, now, since Thunder is not on the network, um, every week we're going to discuss, or at least I'm going to tell you, what you missed on Thunder. And then we're going to watch Nitro every week and watch the pay-per-views as we come up to them, the only pay-per-views we won't be reviewing are Bash at the Beach and New Blood Rising, shows that we've already reviewed in the past, and I hope to be able to find a way to retrieve those audio files um, by the time we reach uh, that period of time. So, on Thunder, um, Booker T, who's a heel member of the New Blood, has already turned babyface. Um, if you recall last week, Hulk Hogan got taken out in a Hummer attack. Tony Schiavone said that Hulk Hogan has head trauma, cracked ribs, and internal bleeding, and thus will be hospitalized for two weeks. Kidman beat up babyface manager Jimmy Hart. Keep that in mind as we go on that he beat up babyface manager Jimmy Hart. Um we had a match between Kimberly and Medusa, which ended when DDP ran in and gave Medusa the diamond cutter. So we had some man-on-woman violence, which I know Turner Broadcasting loves. Absolutely loves. Norman Smiley and Terry Funk won a tag team match in the Vince Russo specialty where they pinned each other to win the match. Makes sense to me, hey. Brian Nobbs was forever written out of uh, WCW television when Meng backdropped him off of a... I guess if you're going to go out, you might as well go out on top, right? 
Exactly. I agree. I would. I, that's the only way I would go out too. And the highlight of the show was the famous fuck up where they aired segments out of order, and they aired a replay of Jeff Jarrett unmasking as Diano Four and hitting Sting with a guitar about 20 minutes before they aired it on television. Oh, good old WCW. Now, even more shocking, this was allegedly a good episode of Thunder. Yes, Brian, this was good. Yeah, I know. I was just just shaking my head in disbelief. So, we're on the Who are these people that come up with what's good and what's not? Well, people who watched the show at the time, because, you know, that it's easy for us to sit here and go back and talk about how much everything sucks in retrospect, but it's like, you got to kind of take it as it was at the time. And at the time, WCW blew amazing amounts of chunks and even this was an improvement over how they were. But as you see, an improvement over shit is still pretty shitty. Yes. So, Russo and Bischoff have told the referees to show leeway. This is Spring Stampede, by the way, April 16, 2000, from Chicago, Illinois. Chicago. Uh, so, the last ever Spring Stampede, Brian. Yeah, it was. Yep. Uh, so Russo and Bischoff told the referees to show leeway and not be quick to disqualify people. And so we find out during the show what level you have to be at in order to be disqualified. And we'll yeah. tell you about. Go on. We'll tell you about exactly what later on in the show. Yes. And with that in mind, we'll also tell you what is not a disqualification. Hmm. So we start we start with our first match, which is round one of the tag team title tournament, and the match is scheduled to be the Mama Lukes versus Lex Luger and uh Rick Flair. That's what the match is scheduled to be. However, uh Vince Russo came out and decided that that's not fair, and so we had it the Harris twins. And this is now a four-on-two handicap match. So Rick, 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 Rick Flair, the greatest wrestler of the 80s, one of the greatest wrestlers of the 90s, had to now carry two green guys from the power plant and the Harris twin and Luger to a good match. Yes. It, um, it wasn't that bad of a match. But, yeah, it was a clusterfuck. It wasn't that bad of a no, match. No, compared to some of the crap we got later on, this was positively passable. Um, The announcers never mentioned what would happen if the Heels won. They didn't say if, you know, the team that got the pin would win or if that would make the finals a triple threat or a handicap match. It was just, you know, here's four random schmucks beating up Luger and Flair. Poor Luger and Flair. Uh, Despite that, Flair had to match one in 30 seconds with the figure four, but there was no one there to break it up, so he just let it go. In the background, you could just see Ron or Don Harris just walking around, not caring. Um, The heels didn't seem to know what corner to stand in and just kept walking back and forth, 
in front of a hard camera, which is fun. Um, we had our first interference of the night. Not the last, but the first. Um, Disco Inferno hit Luger. So Elizabeth, who was Luger's manager, hit Disco. And then random people we have never seen before and, and will never see again came out and took Disco away. Poor Disco. Brian, who the hell were these men? No idea, but security of this arena sucks. That's all I got to say, because if two random people walk down and physically are able to carry a wrestler to the back, first of all, the security in the back sucks, because how the fuck do they get behind scenes? Second of all, how the fuck do they come down the aisle, you know, through a gorilla position and everything else? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the finish saw Johnny the Bull collide with Vito on the apron and then submit to a torture rack. Uh, Johnny the Bull did what he could. Uh, he did a really nice clothesline after he jumped hands-free from the mat to the top rope. Uh, but the baby faces, the Millionaires Club, advanced to the finals, Brian. Yes. The first back Millionaires Club is a successful one. Yep. Backstage, former ECW champion Mike Awesome, because yes, in the week that's passed since uh, last week, he has gone back to ECW as per a court order, uh, court ordered legal settlement, and dropped the ECW title. And you remember who he lost the belt to? WWE, WWE contracted wrestler. Yes, a WWE contracted wrestler in Taz defeated a WCW contract wrestler in Mike Awesome in a 60-second match on ECW that fucked. Like, I don't know if you've ever actually watched the match, but they had two sets of cameras. They had the ECW fan cam footage, which was filming the rest of the show, and they had the TNN broadcast quality cameras there as well. And for some reason, instead of using specifically the TNN cameras, they kept switching back and forth, so the footage just looked horrible. And Awesome tapped out to Taz, rolled out of the ring and just walked away, walked out the front door with Doug Dillinger of WCW fame, and uh, never went back to ECW. I, th- I find it odd that he was able to get out of that arena in one piece. Well, anyway, so Mike Awesome is now in the U.S. title tournament, and he'll be facing Ernest the Cat Miller, allegedly. Somebody better call his mama. So Awesome was cutting a promo when Bam Bam Bigelow walked up and got in his face. Awesome the heel then beat up Bam Bam Bigelow for interrupting his promo. That's sort of interrupted awesome. We then got a bonus match. Oh, yes. Now, do you think about some of the great wrestling talent that WCW had at the time? They yeah. like they still had Rey Mysterio. They still had Juventud Guerrera. They still had all these great luchadors, all this great talent. And now, yeah. when you think about, oh, my God, what can we do? Like, what are they going to put on as a bonus match? Like, they're already giving us all of the, all these great stars and, you know, all this great uh, power plant people. 
you know, what what two people are they going to put together as a bonus in addition, you know, to make you feel like you really got your money's worth? Yep. Brian, who did they put in the ring? Uh, Jimmy Hart and Man Cow. Not Man Four. Man Cow. Man Cow. This was not the Mantar. This was a radio talk show DJ in Chicago. The reason why we are having this match is because uh, Jimmy Hart did uh, publicity for the show on the Man Cow show, and they shot an angle to lead to a match here in Chicago. Now, did Vince Russo put this on the pre-show as a dark match? Because, you know, Man Cow is a lot of things, but he's not a, uh, a nationally syndicated radio host. No. Yeah. He put them on pay-per-view. So we had Jimmy Hart. Uh, Ray Mysterio and Juventus match to the pre-show to make room for this epic there, contest. There you go. So... Jimmy Hart, who, by the way, again, is the babyface manager of Hulk Hogan, in this segment is the heel manager of a large man named Emery Hale. Now, Brian, in addition to asking who the hell is Man Cow, he also asked me who the hell is Emery Hale. Who the hell is Emery Hale? I'm happy you asked. Emery Hale, yeah, I know. Uh, Emery Hale was a man from the WCB power plant he was a very large, very ripped, very built man. Um, if you watch the show, you'll see how large he is. And after WCW went out of business, and I swear to God I'm not making this up, Hulk Hogan hired him as an employee of Hulk Hogan. And his whole job was so when Hulk Hogan opened up his own wrestling company, that he was going to be... Uh, the big monster heel that was going to run through the entire company, and he was going to then lose the Hulk Hogan. That was the whole point of it. Perfect sense to me. Yep. Now, um, for a number of reasons, unfortunately, you know, none of that ever happened. Um, Hogan ended up going back to the WWF, and Hale never amounted to anything. And he actually passed away in January of 2006. For what? I'm not sure, but he just did. Hmm. Sad. Yes. So, Man Cow, the baby face of this match, had about a dozen people in this corner, including a man by the name of Turd. Yeah, I got um, what was that? I said, I got nothing. Turd. Mm. Man Cow, the baby face, thanks lead heel Eric Bischoff before calling Jimmy Hart a son of a bitch. Um, they had what could generously be described as a cat fight, but would honestly be an insult to every woman in ECW who's ever been in a cat fight. Um, believe it or not, this match between Man Cow and Jimmy Hart, did not have a clean finish. I'm shocked by that statement with all the 50 billion people that are outside the ring. 
Um, the referee got bumped. Uh, Hale interfered and picked up Mancow and threw him on top of the dozen people he brought to ringside. For some reason, Hale then left, and then Mancow recovered, hit Jimmy Hart with a chair, and picked up the win. Yeah, this shit really happened. This was an epic match. And then, because that's not enough, Jimmy Hart goes from heel wrestler and heel manager of uh, Hale to babyface manager of Hulk Hogan in 30 seconds as Billy Kidman comes out and beats the crap out of him. Only Jimmy Hart. Uh, then we immediately cut away to Vince Russo yelling at the Marmadukes and the Harris Twins for losing. I want you to keep in mind his disappointment. Yes, I just want you to keep in mind his disappointment with those two teams next week. Foreshadowing, Brian. Foreshadowing. Big word. For you want to talk about our next match, Brian? Oh, the only match that the disqualification actually happened in the first round. First round of the U.S. title tournament, the Wall took on Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, complete with the Steiner brothers theme from I believe the early '90s. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. Yes, the early '90s. Yes. So it was the the match I thought wasn't that terrible. Um. I, I didn't think it was that bad, but you never know. Uh, the wall controlled most of the match. Steiner had a couple moves here and there. But in the end, it was uh, outside the ring. Scott, The wall went to go get a table. Scott Steiner interfered and set up the table himself. The referee came out trying to break up the two. The wall, I, th- I do believe, accidentally pokes or jabs the referee in the eye. And the referee gets choke slammed to the table, and ladies and gentlemen, this is what causes a disqualification in WCW's eyes. Choke slamming a referee through the table, Steiner wins via disqualification, and then the wall chases out the other referee. Uh, you, you kind of screwed up a little bit there. You said that the wall poked the referee in the eye. Scott Steiner poked the wall in the eye. Now, oh, okay, yeah. Um, the wall was a Kevin Sullivan project um, during the three months where uh, Vince Russo was out and Kevin Sullivan was in, the wall was protected. He was pushed as a monster. And honestly, on the last night show that Sullivan was in charge of the wall wrestled Hulk Hogan and kicked out of the leg drop, which I mean, how many mm. people have been allowed to kick out of the leg drop? Not too many. Nope. So in this match, Vince so books it to have Scott Steiner suplex the wall all over the ring, eliminating everything special that was ever about him. And so now he's just another big schmuck on the roster. Mm, poor wall. And by the way, the wall also has passed away. Yes, he did. This is, this is going to be a very sad show. Um... Backstage, Ernest the Cat Miller said that James Brown cannot dance, and so he was attacked by Bam Bam Bigelow and laid out. So I guess, you know, well, how, Bam how Bam disagreed. How dare he make fun of that man? 
Brown, yeah. Baby, favorite singer. Yeah, her baby, favorite singer. Mike Awesome versus Bam Bam Bigelow. U.S. title tournament first round. It was supposed to be Mike Awesome versus the Cat, but Bam Bam ran in and attacked Awesome. So these two wrestled instead, allegedly. Uh, The fans are chanting ECW. By the way, this is about between two former ECW champions. Yeah. Um, Awesome, in his first official WCW match, got himself over with his Pescado over the top rope. Uh, Bam Bam threw him into the guardrail. And then on camera, fans, to move out of the way, they wouldn't, so he yelled at them. They finally did, and just in time, because, you know, by coincidental timing, Bam Bam came charging in, so Awesome threw him over the guardrail. Thank God those fans uh, knew to move. What was that? I said, thank God those fans knew to move. I know. Um, the cat, by the way, finally uh, recovered enough as the two men got back in the ring. The cat interfered and gave Bam Bam a kick, knocking Bigelow out of the ring. The cat did a promo during the match and announced that even though he's hurt, he's still going to dance. Awesome got up, Cat Miller's ass, and pinned the cat after a frog splash. Hell of a frog splash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to sum things up for you, Brian, Mike Awesome defeated the cat to win his match with Bam Bam Bigelow, who replaced the cat after he beat him up backstage. It's WCW. Russo Arrow. Error. Do you, do you want to continue or? Oh, we've got so much more Russo to go here. <laughs> and speaking, speaking of everyone's so favorite, New Yorker, uh, Russo told Bischoff backstage to relax. Bischoff said Hogan was going to show up which Russo, Kidman, and Tori Wilson, who are all the ring, did not give a fuck. Especially Kidman. I mean, I don't blame the guy. If I had Tori Wilson on my arm, I wouldn't be paying much attention to anything else. So Buff Bagwell and Shane Douglas said that they were going to win the tag team titles. They did not bother to talk about their opponents in their upcoming match and instead cut promos on Luger and Flair. And who was their opponent? Well, that was up next. The other semifinal in the tag team title tournament, Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell versus Harlem Heat. Now, before you get your hopes up, Brian, this, oh, this was not Booker T and Stevie Ray. This is Stevie Ray and Ahmed Johnson. It's Big T, yo. And they had Clarence Mason and Swole from the No Limit Soldiers as their managers. Yeah. Hell of a managerial scene. Swole is famous for being the guy who was paid by WCW $400,000 a year. I think he wrestled two matches that entire time, and he later was arrested because despite being paid all this money, he didn't pay his child support payments. Um, the announcers, the announcers, by the way, were Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson, and Mark Madden. 
announced that I nobody like bought a paper. I said at the beginning of the show. Well, they announced that nobody bought a pay-per-view to see a disqualification, to which I happily pointed out that we already saw one. Yeah. Um, This match sucked. It was between two teams of heels, because the entire Millionaire's Club are heels, but here we are with, like, 11 matches where they're wrestling each other. Um, Harlem Heat got the heat on Buff. We made the hot tag yeah. Douglas. No problem. Um, uh, Swole beat up Bagwell for absolutely no reason, so we had interference in another match. And then Shane what, kicked Ahmed. Shane then kicked Ahmed Johnson in the balls and pinned Stevie Ray with a souffle. Yes, a souffle. While Big T just stood in the corner and watched. I mean. He could have, like, just moved, like, a quarter of an inch to left and kicked him. But, nope. Made life too easy. Well, Harlem Heat fought after the match because it's been through, so and all tag teams have to argue with each other. And I noticed that Ahmed has fat person abs. Yes, fat person abs. Yes, that, that sounds about right. Booker T got his T back and said he's got to wrestle the Sting in the next match. Mm. You remember the angle, and this, shockingly, is just a Kevin Sullivan angle. I'm surprised that this is not a Vince Russo thing, where Booker T lost the letter T in a match with Ahmed Johnson, and thus he was only going to he was only Booker. Because he no longer has the legal that. rights, to, he no longer has the legal rights to the letter T, or the name Harlem Heat. I do believe, wasn't it too? Or the theme music? No, couldn't use any of it. So, let's just point out that some of the things that Vince Russo did that were smart. Booker got his T back. No explanation. So up next. What is the U.S. title tournament first round? Sting versus Booker T. Um, it was funny because Sting came out, and at this point he's using the Metallica theme. Um, but of course, WWE is not going to pay money for Metallica to use that theme song. Uh, so they put in the Crow Sting, the Crow Sting theme song. However, you see Sting come out, and he's yelling at the crowd, and he's screaming at the crowd. However, you can't hear a word that's coming out of his mouth. Why is that? Because they dumped over the music, Brian, and thus... I literally just explained it. Well, okay, so so that's why, because they cut out all the music. Yes, they dumped over the music, so they dumped over the audio track, which had Sting yelling at the crowd. Uh, I wonder why everything was quiet. Yep. So, this match, Brian, are you sitting down? Yes, I am sitting down. This match had a clean finish. My God, no shit. There were two clean finishes on the show, and this was one of them. Huh. 
so they fought outside. Sting accidentally threw Booker into the cameraman. Um, I'm pretty sure it was an accident because they both looked really pissed off at that cameraman, and then they ignored that it ever happened, just moved on. Uh, this match went about five minutes, and I mean, most of these matches were less than five minutes. It was, it was a 14-match I mean, show. Match, yeah. 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 This was this wasn't even like an hour into the show, by the way, and this is the sixth match. Um, but, you know, as far as five-minute matches go, this is a pretty good five-minute match. It was. Um, I mean, it was, Sting, two, it was two. It was a future world champion and a former world champion, so not saying that makes a good match, but... Wasn't that terrible? Well, uh, Sting won clean with a Scorpion Death Drop, which again was the first match of the night with the clean finish. It was so shocking, I did not think that was the finish when it happened. Yeah. Um, and then afterwards, the book, you know, uh, somebody hits their finishing move, and then someone kicks out five times. This was not that time. Uh, so then we got uh, Booker getting in Sting's face after the match, but he gave him a fist pound. Kidman and Eric Bischoff were being interviewed. Bischoff said they weren't worried about Hogan, and Kidman said he crippled Hogan's ass on Monday. To our next U.S. title tournament first-round match, Kidman versus Vampiro in a battle between two of the most pushed heels of the Vince Russo era. Yes. I I thought it was a good match. It was, it was a hell of a good match, I felt. But, of course, like all of the good matches, the ending had to be shitty. Mark Madden announced that if it wasn't for the Millionaire's Club, we could have been seeing matches like this for years. I would just yeah. like to point out that these two feuded for over a month and had a match at Super Brawl two months ago. Which you uh, called, Mark Madden. have gone a lot longer. So, the number one rule of wrestling is you do not try to powerbomb Billy Kidman. Billy Kidman will never be powerbombed. Stop trying. No. Nope. Uh, not from Kevin Nash, not from Sid, not from Vader, not from any other person who uses a powerbomb as a finishing move. But, I'll be damned. Uh, Vampiro tried four times, and he got hurricaneed, he got face-planted, and then they went outside for some reason, dragged Vampiro in, but on the way in, Vamp accidentally gave a knee to the ring steps and almost injured himself. Suddenly, shockingly, and with perfect timing, that's almost as if this whole thing was fixed and a setup. Hulk Hogan arrived. Yes. You know, thank God he showed up, you know, for this match and not, you know, during the Harlem Heat match or something. I know, right? He has, he has, he has good timing. It is Hulk Hogan, Emerson. Yep. It, is, it is Hulk Hogan. So Hogan marched out to a huge reaction. Kidman punched him in the face. So Hogan beat the fuck out of him. Makes sense. And this, this, by the way, was not a disqualification. No, of course not. So Hogan beating, like that, 
Hogan beating the crap out of one of the participants in the match is less than a referee being choke slammed through a table. Among the things that Hogan did to Kidman, or attempted to do anyway, was Hogan picked up the ring steps and threw them at Kidman's head. Thankfully, Kidman moved. Hogan then used the Great Collie Hanging Tree Slam. Table did not break. Kidman literally bounced off of it, and so Hogan calmly walked around the table and slammed Kidman through it. Kidman is Hogan's bitch. There is no way that you can even pretend that Kidman is getting anything out of this. Like poor Kidman. This is this is ridiculous. And so Hogan, being the nice guy that he apparently he is, Kidman, threw him in the ring and allowed Vampiro to pin him. Hogan then called Eric Bischoff a son of a bitch and said he was after him. Bischoff is worried. However, Brian, as we found out on Nitro last Monday, Bischoff had no reason to be worried since Hogan can never find anybody. (laughs) However, Russo said that he would take care of this. Vinny Root for the rescue. Hulk Hogan is looking for Eric Bischoff. I feel like I've said this before. I feel like you might have. So Hogan finally found. Uh. Hogan finally finds Bischoff's office, and keep in mind, he spent most of last Monday's show, and now tonight, looking for Bischoff. He finally found him. When suddenly, when suddenly, police officers come in and point their guns at him. They pointed their fucking guns on this wrestling show at Hulk Hogan. Of all people, he's a wrestling god. He's an icon. Say, who the fuck said to themselves, hey, you know what gets, you know what's a smart idea? For like five people to pull a gun on Hogan. Sounds like a Russo idea. Just saying. Keep in mind, yeah, yeah, really. Uh, when this happened in the early days of TNA, one of the midgets pulled a gun on Jeff Jarrett. Um, Jeff Jarrett, by the way, I don't know how he got out of this midget pulling a gun on him. Uh, he hit him. In, he hit him. He hit him in the head with a chair. Ultimately, was uh, how Jeff Jarrett combated a, a man pulling a gun on him. And the reason why I bring that up is because Vince Russo, well, actually, it wasn't Russo, Jeremy Borash tried to later claim that that was Jerry Jarrett's idea. So, old school Jerry Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett thought of the idea of someone pulling a gun, not someone, a midget, pulling a gun on his son. That makes sense. And so, Jerry Jarrett, I just want to point out, had nothing to do with WCW. And but yet here are guns on a show written by Vince Russo pulled on Hulk Hogan. So they cut away for ten seconds and somebody off camera 
told them to put the fucking gun away. They do, and they go back to uh, them arresting Hogan. However, even though Hogan is now on camera and he's being led away, you can still hear Eric Bischoff heavily breathing in the background. Makes sense. I'd be scared shitless too. And so while this is going on, Terry Taylor is so upset that he tells Terry Funk where Norman Smiley is hiding. Poor Norman. So, Brian, I need a a breather. We've got halftime here. We've got to play uh, some audio here. Funk goes to try to find Norman, and he ends up in catering. Of all things, Norman is eating. Wait, wait. We're going to play some audio here and just take a little bit bit of a break, um, and we'll be right back. Well, Super Fro, I don't blame Kennedy McMahon being cuckoo or crazy because I watched the match and between Mr. Donald Trump, the richest man, and all of his sons come, tag the Mr. McMahon from behind and take him down and they cut him, double cross him, cut his hair. That's because he been cuckoo. I don't blame him. But still, Kennedy McMahon, you play racquetball with me, your son wrestling with me, and still you are great athletes. Ya Allah, Ya Muhammad. Do you imagine Vince McMahon and the Iron Sheik playing racquetball together? That would be one thing I would love to see, actually. Dave, the Redneck Schultz, as the fans call you, you see something like this happen, it's got to be upsetting to you. It don't upset me at all, baby. Let me tell you, I think it's great. You know what I mean? If you're going to go on the hunt, you got to be able to run with the big boys. If he can't run with the big boys, he should get out. He shouldn't come out here. Last time I was in San Francisco, I went downtown looking for a woman. You know what I mean? I wanted a woman. I couldn't find a woman. I found a lot of men that look like women. Now you, Hulk Hogan, you belong in San Francisco. What's wrong with you, Gene? I'm telling you like it is, baby. You belong in San Francisco. That's your kind of place. That's your kind of people because you've never had a woman, baby. Oh, Lord. Hmm. That was Dave the Redneck. That was a very redneck type. That was a very redneck type promo. For sure. He he tried to find a wall man, but he couldn't find a wall man. Yeah. Oh Lord. So, Terry Funk versus Norman Smiley for the hardcore title. Brian, I believe you uh, wanted to take this one. Well, I thought I thought you asked me to take it. That's why that's why I started to take it. But uh, well, I'll take it anyway. Terry Taylor has better speaking abilities than Hulk Hogan, as he was able to find Norman Smiley in about 10 seconds, as opposed to Hogan taking almost a couple, taking a couple minutes to find Bischoff. So, in a game of hide and, hide and seek, I want Terry Falk on my team. You can have Hogan. I don't know what kind of skills Terry has as a hider, but I like his speaking skills, so... He's he's my, he's my partner. Anywho, Terry Funk finds uh, Norman in the men's bathroom, where he, Norman's in a full cup 
of him and hits him with random objects, objects including Coca-Cola cans. Matt now, goes into the kitchen area. Now, Brian, let me ask on. you this. Yes. Let me ask you this. If you didn't want to be in a wrestling match and you were being forced yes. to against your will, what would yes. you do in an effort to get out of the match? Run. No, because running doesn't end well, the match, hide, Brian. If, if my match is, is against Terry Funk, I wouldn't want to hide, obviously, because he's a speed speak. He's an excellent but, speaker. But, but, Brian, think about it for a second. What can you do to end a match? Just lay down. Well, what if, Terry Funk doesn't want to, what if Terry Funk doesn't want to pin you? What else can you do? Just forfeit. You can tap out. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. However, Norman Smiley did not tap out. No. With that said, please continue. Well, he could he could have done what Chavo did against uh, what the hell did Chavo wrestle before Eddie Gray? Stevie Ray. Stevie Ray, yes. It could have been like Chavo and asked for a handshake and the handshake of doom and just tap tap out right away. Well, Stevie Ray but, uh, had a legendary handshake. Hell of a handshake from what I've understood. Anywho, cans. Oh, no, wow, wow. No, I'm in the kitchen. That's right, I'm in the kitchen. Uh, ter- uh, Funk throws Norman through the dish return area. Bad idea because Terry Funk gets a bath for the first time in probably like a month. Wow. And after, uh. <laughs> I know, what did right? Terry Funk do to you? He just wasn't there for me, damn it. Anywho, after the kitchen brulee, Terry Funk, uh, Washington, I think Norman gets an upper hand here for a while and takes over most of the match. Throws Funk in a garbage can. Because, you know, Funk's a piece of garbage, so Norman's just putting where it belongs inside a garbage can. But he was not, the garbage was not taken out. That's Funk just tipped over the garbage can. The match eventually ended up coming back into the arena where Terry Funk took over until Dustin Rhodes makes what I believe is his last WCW appearance. Correct me if I'm nope. wrong. Nope. I'm not wrong, or I am. He'll be back. He'll be uh, back. Well, well, he makes an appearance, attacks Terry Funk. Funk gets the upper, well, no, Funk gets the upper hand after he pushes Dustin into a ladder that Norman sets up. And in the end, shows Funk picking up a very light ladder, because, you know, it's not heavy, but Funk could have lifted over his head. And dumping on Norman outside the ring and gets the one, two, three, and Terry Funk becomes the hardcore champion. And Tony Schiavone, who was so excited by Funk winning, what did he scream, Brian? I forget. Tony Schiavone, the lead announcer, sees Terry Funk win the title and he screams. When you order Spring Stampede, you get a mouse pad. Oh, yeah, that's right, a mouse pad, yes. You know what, I'm still yes. waiting for my fucking mouse pad. Well, did you send a copy of your cable bill uh, along with, you know, whatever, to self-staff, a self-addressed stamped envelope to the address that was on your screen? The stick, stickly, P.O. Box, 963, New York City, New York State, 10108. That was address. not your 
Yeah, that was not the address. So I might explain oh. why you never got it. That explains it. Okay. I did put six so, sickly care of WCW Spring Stampede. Didn't work, I bet. It's the only address I remember my heart. Says my own. So Booker T, who turned heel on Monday by joining the New Blood, and then turned babyface on Thunder, has apparently turned heel again, as he's still aligned as Vince Russo, and Russo told him to stop pissing him off and to do him a favor. We would find out later what that favor was. Ugh. So, so by the way, I want to point out, this was the point where I had to turn off the show and I had to take a break for uh, a couple days. Because th- this was just... Finally got to you, huh? It was overwhelming. And I was barely at the halfway point. So, we got... Scott Steiner and Mike Awesome in the U.S. title tournament semifinal. Um, both men looked good, and they worked pretty good. With that said, this match went only 30 seconds longer than the Jimmy Hart versus Man Cow match. So um, a lot longer. Yep. After the 83rd dick kick of the night, Scott Hudson <laughs> asked, what do you need to do to be disqualified? Which I'd like to point out, I can answer that. Choke slam the referee through the table. Yes. So the crowd, which was dead at this point, suddenly begins cheering. And then three hours later, we find out why they're cheering. Kevin Nash has hobbled to ringside and hit Awesome with a crutch. That was not a disqualification. No, of course not. Why would it be? Scott Steiner wins with the Steiner recliner to move into the final round, Brian. Final round of the U.S. title tournament. And who will he face? Only time will tell. And so, it probably it, it probably won't be Vince Russo. I say probably because the fucking guy's been in 80 segments of the show so far. Yes. Um... So Russo fired Dustin Rhodes because Terry Funk won the hardcore title. So here's a question. Well, here's a question for you, Brian. If they're so mad that someone who wasn't in the new blood won a title, why did they allow people in the Millionaire's Club even be in the matches? It makes no sense, but once again, it's a Vinny Rue show. Nothing makes sense. Time for the other semifinal in the U.S. title tournament. I have to mention which tournament is which because we've had three tournaments on one show. Exciting the fucking to be honest. Like, this, this is the most excited I've been to watch a pay-per-view since December to remember. Or December. He's so excited by his didn't remember the name of the damn show. Yep, that's how excited I was. December to dismember, Brian. There you go. So it was Sting versus Vampiro in their first ever encounter after Vampiro turned on. Brothers in paint. Brothers in paint. 
after Vampiro turned on his brother in paint last Monday to build up this blood feud that already had their first match with a clean finish. The second clean finish came as the first match of this lengthy feud, which, Brian, if you didn't like this match, you better get fucking used to it because they're going to be wrestling so many times over the next six months, you'll want to take Sting out of the Hall of Fame. In a variety of matches, too. I can't wait for the Human Torch match. Oh, I really bad. And so, this match was not very good. It's better than some of the crap we've seen, but still not that good. No. Uh, more out-of-the-ring brawling here. Uh, Vampiro took over when Sting gave the guardrail a Stinger splash. Vampiro came off the top rope with a move, but he came up short. So Sting put on the Scorpion Deathlock and submitted him. And Sting has won two matches so far tonight, and those are the only two clean finishes of the entire show. Hmm. You think maybe Sting has some pull on the end of his matches? DDP told Mean Gene the only thing he wants more than to be a three-time champion, and that's to kick Jarrett's ass since Jarrett wanted to hit his wife with a guitar. Note to Paige, it wasn't Jarrett's fault that your wife got hit with a guitar. He was swinging it at you, and you moved, and instead of moving your wife out of the way, your wife got hit with a guitar instead. It It was not Jarrett's fault that she got hit. Poor Kimberly. She will get her revenge though. Oh, yeah. Mark my words. Oh, God. So, okay. I'm going to ask you a question, Brian. Of course, Shane Helms, Shane Helms and Shannon Moore came out for the next match. And they oh, came out to lip sync the three-count song. Did you think that both of them were in this match? I did. It was made sense because this, it made perfect sense because you know Shane Helms is a cruiserweight, Shannon Moore is a cruiserweight. So what the hell? Throw it, throw both in the match. This was the Suicide Six Way for the cruiserweight title. It was originally supposed to be an elimination match, but without telling anybody, they made it one fall, and it featured six people, none of whom were Shane Helms. Um. But Shane was out there, and it was the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, who had Paisley, Chris Candido. By the way, Paisley was Charmel in tight purple leather, which looked yes. very, very nice. Yes, the, the, one of the few times where Charmel actually does not look like a man. Brian, who said that? Not me. Yes. And if you, I always say this, if you think Charmel's unattractive, Wait till you see Booker's first one. That's coming up in a few months. Oh, God. So, the artist formerly known as Prince Iakea, Chris Candido, Lash LaRue, Crowbar, who had Daphne in his corner, Juventud Guerrera, and Shannon Moore, who... Oh, I think David Flair ran down afterwards, didn't he? No, he was never in touch with the match. Well, it, it was hard to tell because, by the way, Shannon Moore was the sixth person. He had Shane Helms on there. 
it's hard to tell because Shady Channing came out and sang their song, and for yes. the first time ever, they didn't get interrupted. So they decided to play the song a second time, and this time, everybody else ran out and attacked them, and the match Thank began. You. This was ridiculous. Like, it was hard to even keep track of who the hell was in the fucking match. Um, have you ever heard someone describe a match, Brian, as a collection of spots with no rhyme or reason or psychology to them? Well, if, you have, no idea what's, yeah, if you have no idea what that looks like, check this match out. Because there were six people who were technically in the match. However, at least 11 people took part in it. <laughs> Daphne somehow accidentally gave Crowbar a jumping Frankensteiner. Keep in mind, Crowbar could have held her up and not gone over for the move, but, you know, too bad. We got the big dive spot that everyone took part in. David Flair and Shane Wait, Helms were down there. They got... Uh, Chris Candido went for the Dynamite Kid headbutt but the artist moved and hit an angle slam. Finally, Tammy Tammy Sitch interfered, the former Sonny, and by the way, it turns out um, she tripped on the ramp and nearly fell on her ass. That probably explains why it took her forever to get down there. Yes. And by the way, Tammy and Charmel were both taller than everyone else in the match. And it wasn't all because um, of the heels they had on. Tammy pushed the artist off the top rope, and Cantito pinned him to win the Cruiserweight title. Um, they then did the worst cat fight since the Mantel match. Um, Shannon Moore and Charles Robinson tried to stop them, but the girls grabbed them in the balls instead. The match allegedly went five minutes and 12 seconds, but I'm pretty sure that includes three counts singing at the beginning. I don't know. The match seems to have took a while. It did not. Like, this match seemed to be, like, two minutes long. Oh, by the way, we mentioned that... We mentioned that uh, Tammy... Uh, tripped on the ramp on her way down and fell on her ass. Um, what you didn't see, and this is a little bit of behind-the-scenes news, when Miss Elizabeth came out, they put down a carpet on the ramp so she wouldn't have the same problem. Uh, Makes sense. You think if you have a I ramp that... You think if you have a ramp that literally is causing the women in your promotion to fall on their ass, you would either tell them to not wear heels or use a different ramp, or make the carpet a permanent part of the ramp. It's a Vince Russo production. It's WCW. Okay, in general, WCW. Jeff Jarrett threatened to beat up Mean Gene, and he called himself the Chosen One. And then then we got the longest of the first 13 matches of the night. Eight-and-a-half-minute Iron Man classic. Lex Luger and and uh, Ric Flair. I almost said Lex Luger and Shane Douglas. Lex Luger and Ric Flair versus Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell. Um, 
if you think I'm making mental mistakes, this show's gone on so goddamn long that Tony Schiavone announced that Terry Funk had won the cruiserweight title. Hell, he's old, crippled, crazy, and cruiserweight, supposedly. By the way, when Lex Luger came out, did you notice that he went over to the crowd, started slapping their hands? Oh, actually, no, I'm sorry, that was the wrong match, never mind. Because the next match is just happening, never mind. So skip what I just said, pretend I didn't say anything. Uh, okay. Brian, tell us about tell us about this amazing eight and a oh, half God. minute eight and a half minute classic <laughs> for for the world tag team title. Four guys whose average age is about thirty five. It's only thirty five for this buff bag well, I would assume is in his late twenties, early thirties. So he brings that ratio down. I'm just assuming that's that's about the average age. Um the match was pretty much built around the fact that Shane Douglas and Ric Flair had a, uh, what do you call it, not even a feud against each other, but had a thing for against each other. Um, Shane Douglas cut promos on ECW TV for like seven years about how much Ric Flair sucked, and Vince Russo assumed that everybody knows this, so that's why we're having this feud. Yes, yes. And, and by the way, Buff Brand both be their partners. Buff Bagwell, um, at the taping of this match, was 30 years old. Uh... Yes, yeah, see, Buff, go figure. Go on. Anywho, back to the match. The match itself sucked. That that that's pretty pointed. Eventually, Vince Russo came out. And joined the color commentating team, only to interfere. Well, no, he distracted. I'm sorry, he distracted the referee, Nick Patrick. And while he was distracting it, Chronic, Brian Adams, and Brian Clark came out from the crowd. Shitty security once again. Double choke slammed uh, Luger, which made and then Russo beat the shit out of Nick Patrick. Threw on the uh, referee shirt, half ass, and went in and made the three count. And your new tag team champions, Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell. Somehow, Nick Patrick fell down. Yeah. I don't even know how it happened. But he fell down, and so Russo took his shirt and counted the fall. I was ignoring the announcing at this point, but for some reason, Tony Schiavone suddenly screamed, Bullshit, in the middle of the match. <laughs> I didn't even There's bother a lot of random cursing by the announce team. That's for sure. Yeah. I didn't even bother to go back and check as to why they randomly screamed bullshit. Maybe because Russo jumped in and made the three count? No, it was before that, but doesn't matter. U.S. title tournament finals. Scott Steiner versus Dave. It is the penultimate match of the evening. This is where Scott Steiner went over to hit on some chick over the guardrail. And sitting there for no reason whatsoever, not mentioned by the announcers, and nobody seemed to really notice, was Fit Finley for some reason. Really? Why else did I not notice? Yeah. You didn't see him just randomly sitting there? 
No. Yeah. If you watch Scott Steiner's entrance and you press pause when he goes over to the guardrail, there's Fit Finley randomly sitting there. Next to the chick he gives a high five to. Yeah. Okay, hold on. I, I'm at Scott Snyder's intro right now. Riveting audio we got here. That's not Fit Finley. That's a really yes, old guy that looks like Fit Finley. No, it's not. That's not Fit Finley. <laughs> Fit Finley does not have that many chins and cheeks. I think you're looking at the wrong guy, dude. I'm gonna. I'm, I just fast forward it and re, re, uh, rewind it again. The Asian guy. So by the way, as Brian's doing that, I have paused right on him. That is not Fit Finley. Well, I disagree. God damn it. You go back and watch it on the network and pause it at 2.04.33, and you have a... You have I am not re-watching this fucking show. You don't have to rewatch it. Just fast-forward it to two hours, four minutes, and 33 seconds and pause. Uh-huh. That is not Fit Finley. I will go to my grave. Fit Finley will come and kick your ass. Well, so, Fit Finley will come kick your ass because you thought some old guy looked like him. So the announcers are talking about the endurance you need to get through to get to this point. I just want to point out, at this point in this show, Scott Steiner had wrestled for a total of six minutes. Sting, though, was the six minutes. Sting was the Iron Man of the match so far. He's wrestled for 12. Uh, times in mind that the endurance factor will kick in for this match. Um, the announcer claimed that we have literally seen lives be put on the line tonight. I must have missed that stipulation. Um, Steiner got pissed that the referee didn't count to three at one point, but the announcers finally, after two hours, remembered that there was a disqualification in an earlier match and said that anything less then a referee being choked slammed through a table would not be a DQ, which led to me wanting to see the list of awful things to see what constitutes as worse than or better than a choke slam through a table for the referee. Um, so being pulled in front of a stinger splash doesn't count as a DQ. As Steiner did that. Vampiro then cut square in the ring and dragged Sting under there. Vampiro, yeah. Vampiro uh, apparently tried to force feed Sting a sandwich because when he came back up, Sting had some grape jelly smeared next to his mouth. The announcers assumed it's supposed to be blood. I assumed it was a sandwich. We'll never know the truth. I think you're a lot closer than the announcers, personally. The referee woke up, did not question that there was a perfectly shaped hole in the middle of the ring, and and he declared that Sting was unconscious 
And so they awarded Steiner the match and the title. And I think Sting, who's just unconscious, got up like 10 seconds later and walked to the back. Makes perfect sense. Doesn't even fight it. Oh, oh, I lost. Fuck it. Let's go have a beer. Finally. It was time for the main event. Uh It was time for the main event. Match number 14. 14. You heard him right. Fourteen. Uh, do, do we need to take a break before we get to the match, Brian? Sure, let's take a break. Thank our sponsors. We don't have any sponsors yet. Not yet. Give us time. We, we got to thank the future sponsors. Better? Nick or Laurie? Any piercings? Um... Uh, uh, no, if you do, uh, <laughs> no piercings at all. No, you have got some piercings. Okay, all right. Uh, sorry, no, no piercings at all. No. Um, <laughs> some people say that that uh, my distinguishing feature would be probably my ears, which I'm told are quite small. <laughs> right. It turned out she had earrings, Brian. She had earrings. Brian has fallen off the face of the earth, apparently. So, let's play something else. Shouldn't have won that guitar if you didn't want to be hoisted by it. What do you think the expression, hoisted by your own petard, is referencing? I guess I just assumed that in the old days, a petard was a special outfit like a leotard with a lot of fancy buckles and loops on it, and that rich people would wear them when they were feeling especially smug, but then poor people could tie a rope to one of the loops and hoist them up a pole and then let them dangle there as punishment for being cocky? Never look it up. Your explanation is way Uh, Brian, have you ever been hoisted by your own petard? I have not, because I've never wore a leotard. So, yeah, I think I'm good. Brian is totally the Brita of our show. Sorry. (laughs) So, Brian, it's time for the main event. The yes. final the, the finals of the six man tournament to determine a new WCW champion. Jeff Jarrett versus D D Me, Diamond Dallas Page. If you're tired of hearing yes, somebody Madden. say D D Yes. If you don't want to hear somebody say D D Me, don't listen to Mark Madden's commentary because that's all the fuck he says. Yes. Get worse. Um, another thing that caused me to rage, Mark Madden said that Jarrett would have been champion months ago if the playing field was level. This is where I point out that Jeff Jarrett had world title matches at both Super Brawl and Uncensored, which were the two previous shows to this, and he lost both times. Mm. Jeff Jarrett... Of course. Jeff Jarrett's intro was so long that... I guarantee his intro went longer than several matches during the show. At the end of the match, it was already the best match of the night. Um, We, of course, got the Jeff Jarrett main event match, which had crowd brawling, and the WCW production team, where the camera doesn't even follow, and instead we get a camera from what appeared to be the upper deck of the arena for about a minute. Um, 
We eventually got a camera in the crowd, which turned out to be a bad idea because this being WCW, they didn't bother to have security holding people back. Uh, so instead, we got a great shot of fans sticking their tongues out and preening to get on camera. Because you see, Jeff Jarrett is so short, he did not stand up over the crowd. He is a very short person. Uh, at one point, Jeff Jarrett grabbed the chair that the ring announcer and the timekeeper would normally be sitting at. Brian, you might recall, there were no ring announcers or timekeepers sitting ringside. Where the hell did they go? No. I don't it's know. Possible. I didn't think of that. It's possible that David Penzer quit his job and will never be seen again. I don't blame the guy. Um, while Paige was down, Kimberly, who, by the way, came out with her husband, her loving husband, DDT, Kimberly showed that and she's a great manager. smoking hot, by the way, as well. Yes, Kimberly kept telling Paige, up, up, up. Uh, Bischoff suddenly appeared in the aisle and he took the slowest walk you've ever seen to the ring and he did not seem to be worried by the way over the idea of Hogan trying to kill him anymore Um, in the coincidence of all coincidences Brian Jeff Jarrett just happened to find somebody in the front row who just happened to have a copy of DDP's book with them so Jarrett ripped some pages out of it. Uh, Paige tried to give Jarrett a diamond cutter. Uh, Jarrett grabbed the ropes. Somehow Charles Robinson got hit in the head at this point. Um, Bischoff finally made it to the ring while Jarrett slapped on the figure four. Kimberly then, for some unexplained reason, grabbed the guitar. So DDP hit a bad-looking rock bottom for a two-count. The referee stood up. Hang on one second. The referee stood up while I went and coughed on mute. And um, Eric Bischoff then decided to grab the referee and talk to him about, you know, something more important, I'm sure. I, I don't blame him. Page hit the diamond cutter and encouraged Kimberly, even though he had the match and the world title won, Page encouraged Kimberly to come in the ring and hit Jarrett with a guitar. And, of course, the announcers are screaming that it was a swerve, that Bischoff was on Page's side all along. And, so of course, we got the double swerve because, of course, Kimberly hit Page on purpose with the guitar. Jarrett hit the stroke and pin Page to become the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And by far, the longest match on the show, going about 15 minutes, almost went twice as long as the next longest match on the card, and was the only match to go longer than 10 minutes. Well, you have about two hours and 45 minutes to get into all Vince Russo's bullshit. So you cut down on the match quality and the time of the matches. Makes sense. Well, here's the question. Like, do you really think 
you know, some of these matches would have been any better with more time. Like Harlem Heat versus Shane Douglas and Buff Bagwell. Did that so even happen? Like, I would have given Awesome and Steiner a little bit more time. I would have given Sting and Booker T a little bit more time. Kidman and Vampiro. Yeah, Kidman and Vampiro, yeah. I will have the cruiser- like cruiserweights in the cruiserweight scramble or whatever the fuck they called it. Maybe if the cruise race had longer than five minutes to get all their shit in, it would have been such a clusterfuck. Yes. All right. So, Jeff Jarrett is the WCW World Champion, and they showed him on TV for one second, and during that one second, he looked like the happiest person on the face of the earth to finally be champion. However, that one second was more than enough, as the real stars took over of the show, Kimberly and Bischoff hugged each other. Russo came out, and the three of them hugged each other. And off-camera, the rest of the New Blood champions came out um, while the champions stood awkwardly off to the side as the three stars of the show, Russo, Bischoff, and Kimberly, hugged and preened for the camera. And finally... As the show is going off the air, with a little copyright in the bottom uh, left-hand corner, we finally get a shot of Jeff Jarrett on TV as champion being held up by Douglas and Bagwell. Epic. It's very epic. So that was Spring Stampede, Brian. Thank God that That cluster fucked over. That is a thumbs down. You think? Uh, So we'll be back on our normal time slot, Wednesdays at 10 o'clock. And the next show is Nitro, April 17th, 2000. The New Blood have almost all the titles except the one title that they didn't put any actual New Blood wrestlers in the match for, because Norman Smiley, say what you want, is not a New Blood member. Um, Will Hulk Hogan get out of jail? Do you think so, Brian? I strongly believe that he will. Okay. Or better yet, will will confetti stop falling from the roof? I don't think so. Just to give you an idea of who the real star of the show is, they have the little preview box on the WWE Network. Who is shown in that preview of next week's Nitro, Brian? Vince Russo. Yes. We're going to have so much Vince Russo, and we're going to have so much fun next week. Oh, my God. Until then, Brian, we're going to wrap things up here. Do you want to see anything else to the fine listeners at home? Good night. So long, everyone.